I want to talk about miracles today. I have a sermon planned, and if you know me, I'm the kind of guy I plan early. Uh, I'm like the, the teacher who does his lesson plans way out so that I'm not involved. Any school teachers in here today? Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you do your lesson plans late and you got a class on Friday and you do it on Thursday, you're in bondage. And so I'm not that pastor. I try to work ahead. I, for years I did that. I used to work the week of, and so now I work ahead. And I try to answer one question every year. Uh, the question this year is, what is the truth you need to face? What is the truth you need to face? Um, and sometimes when you know in advance what you want to teach people, you can study ahead. So all year, if you go back and get the Overcoming by Faith Ministries app and download it, Overcoming by Faith Ministries app, those of you online, those of you in the building, download the app. Thousands have already downloaded it, and um, you can keep up with all the sermons. You can get all, also on the website, but the app is in your pocket. And um, so uh, this year I've been talking about the truth about you, the truth about your money, the truth about you know, your family. Each month I answer, what's the truth you need to face? that you haven't faced. Truth about you, your family, your money, all the things I talked about. Next year, I'm going to talk about do it. Everybody say do it. do it. That's right. What have you been talking about that you haven't done and why? What have you been talking about? That's what I think I talk about. Now, if I get to January and change my mind, don't blame me. Pray ahead, you'll be ahead. Say that with me, please. Come on. So you're going to pray ahead. Don't, you're not going to ever be ahead because you're not thinking ahead. You're thinking about today, this week. Think ahead. Sit down with a piece of paper and say, where do I need to go? You can change your mind like I did today. I changed my mind. We're going to do a series. We're going to do a study on miracles. There's two months of this we're going to work on together. And each week, I'm going to, I want to cover a different miracle. So today's miracle was from John chapter 2 where Jesus turned water into wine. And that's the first miracle he did in the Bible. But I, I, had a, I had a moment where I decided, no, I need to change that for today because, you know, this is one of those days you just feel like something needs to be changed. So that's one of the good things. You can change your mind. That's okay. And you can still do it. So here's what I've done. On the sermon notes, if you get the sermon notes, and they're everywhere. They're on the web. They're on the app. They are um, all online. If you, get, if you look at the sermon note, Go to the bottom page. There's a whole uh, list of things I was going to say. The notes you were going to get are there. So you can go back and say, here's what he was going to talk about. <laughs> but he didn't. Okay. I'm going to give you a brief summary real quick. But I want you to understand that that was, that was my goal. The topic for the series, repeat it with me, please, are the miracles. Come on. That changed everything. There are several miracles in, in, in the Bible. And what I love about the, the conversation about miracles in the scripture is they're not fundraisers. They're not designed to get people to give money. It's not designed to be a show. I'm not against, you know, people who believe that God's called them to miracle ministries and all that. But it, it should not just be about fundraising. There's nothing wrong with raising money. If you want to raise money, just tell people up front, I'm trying to raise money. Tell them what you want to raise money for and let them decide to give. I don't have any problem with that. I think you, have, you can't do anything if you're broke. Can I get one more amen to that? Yeah. If you're broke, you can't do anything but talk and complain. If you have money, you can fix problems. You can solve problems. You can help the poor like we did last week. A thousand folks were here last week. We gave away 1,600 no, uh, uniform uh, holes, so tops and bottoms, 1,600. A thousand people were here. Come on. Come on. We did good. 
That's right. And that's just that's just that's just the start. We give away. We have the ministry. Oh, my. Everybody calls us. Uh, we're talking about the court system. We're talking about uh, schools. We have even schools we've adopted. We have how many schools we adopted? Two. We have three schools we've adopted and um, and we are amazing. They love us. We, we, we do all kinds of things for them. And uh, they all are amazed at all that we do. Now, here's what I, what I say. You can't do that if you're broke. You have to have resources. And you don't have to get up and beg all the time. And that's why God established tithes and offerings so you wouldn't have a problem. Now, let me go on and say, so my, my intent, though, in this series is to walk through several miracles, several things that God has put in place to show us how he works, how he can miraculously intervene in your life. And the, the goal of this specific sermon I had planned to preach was called The Impact of Who You Know and What They Bring. If you know people, Mary knew Jesus and the impact that happened in the lives of those around them was because Mary knew Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. There's something about who you know and how that impacts all the things around you, your family, your kids, your opportunities. Everything is impacted by that. And so let me summarize again the sermon for you in a simple statement. The original sermon, the original sermon I plan to preach, emphasized the importance of, here, of having the right people in your life and listening to their instructions. Certain people can improve the quality of your life during seasons of crisis. The quality relationship between Mary and Jesus and the decision to invite him into an impossible circumstance leads to a miraculous outcome. The words of Mary to the servants, do whatever he tells you, set the stage for the first miracle in the ministry of Jesus. This miracle proves that God can take a broken season, I love this, and make it the best season of your life. At the end of the banquet, Jesus turned water into the best wine of the wedding feast. Now, some of you really like that part of the sermon. So, oh, yeah, the wine part. That's it right there. That's the part right there. That's, that, that's the part. And some of you are going to get you a glass right now. Stop. Right? Pull, you, pull over right there at home. Don't you do it right now. I'm preaching. But there's, And I, I, I have a whole conversation about wine and all that, and I'm not going to get into it today because I'll get off of them, but I don't want to do that. But I, I just believe that there is something helpful about seeing the power of having the right person in your life and how they change. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm changing. I have decided to go in another direction. So what I'm going to talk about today is this. It's a simple topic because all of us can relate to this. I call it, this is life. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. This is Every now and then, life happens. And, and you can't stop it. And, and we complain, but that's just life. This is life. Here's my statement. Life has a variety of seasons, experiences, disappointments, challenges, and surprises. Adjusting to these surprises can be extremely challenging and isolating. Let me list seven things we all face at some point in our lives. It is my conviction that some of us are complaining about things that are just part of life. You are a policeman. Part of life is writing reports. That's part of life. If you're a policeman, that's part of life. People run away and they're bad. 
and you need to catch them because they did something real bad. Part of life for you is chasing them. Now, you may be tired. Your back may be hurt. Your knees may be hurt, but you need to run. And so that's just life for you as an officer. If you're a mother, that, there are just things that come with being a mama. Laundry. Can I get an amen on that one, huh? Things that just come with being a mother. Father, they're father taxes. I'm not, I do, I know men do laundry, I do laundry too, but I'm just simply saying there's certain things. And, you know, in my life, it's grass, lawn. Diane believes God has blessed her to retire from lawn, amen. And so there's certain things that are my responsibility. Now, I got, what I did was I got somebody to help me because I ain't cutting it. I got somebody, I used to cut it. But my point is, there are seasons when I realize, I look at my grass, and, and, I, and I am responsible for that. That's my life. Some of us are complaining about things. Some mothers, some women, some supervisors, some managers. You asked to get in this profession, and now you're complaining. But say with me, please come and say, this is life. Bills. That's life. Buying gas. That's life. You can cry in the tank if you want to, but you can either walk or put the gas in. You have two choices. Come on, say it again. Say, this is life. You can run from that, but it's life. Right now, church has changed. Changed forever. A lot of people don't want to accept that. You can ignore it. You can ignore it all you want to. But hundreds of you at home right now, you know, all of you didn't come in here today. That's life now. That's the way it is. And if you run from it and if you ignore it, you're just fooling yourself. There's something about saying this is life. You get up in the morning and you're crying and you're wailing. And the kids got to go to school and, and they can't find their socks and everybody in the bus is outside and they're going to leave you. Now you got to drive them to school or you go down to the bus stop. This is a good one. And you wait for that bus. <clears throat> Lord have mercy. And the bus don't come. How many of you had that happen to you? And you got to change your schedule and take them kids to school. Some say, leave them at home, leave them at home. You got work to do. But that's life. And I think we struggle with life. But there's seven things that are going to happen in your life that you're going to have to deal with. And here they go. Number one, I'm going to read them all and go back over them. You ready? Say what we say. We fail. We make requests. We fight condemnation. We wait. We admire, we grieve, we grow. In life, you face all seven of these. At some point in your life, you fail. I know you want to be perfect. I know you want to have everything just right. But there are moments when you try to cook something and you burn it up. Watch this. Let's see how honest you are. Have you ever cooked something? as good a cook as you are, as fantastic in the kitchen as you are, and it didn't go well. Raise your hand. I'm waiting to see if anybody's going to lie in the house of God today. I'm waiting to see if anybody. You can lie online. I can't see you. See, you can tell. <laughs> That's right. I, I remember when I was a kid, I was cooking, and I was cooking some brownies. I was so motivated. I would be a chef. So I went down, and I stood to the store, and I got all the ingredients and I went home and I cooked, I put the brownies, mixed it up real good. And then I put it in the oven and it came out the oven and I was destroyed. I was just absolutely, 
I was so sad. And I said, oh, my God, I messed up. And then I threw him out. My mama came home. I told him my sad story. I said, Mom, when I took them out of the oven, they weren't in squares. And I threw I messed up. <laughs> my mom looked at me and said, my son, my son, my son. <laughs> he said, you have to cut them in squares, Rick. <laughs> I shouldn't tell that in public. Y'all, they race this. They back up the tape. Don't tell nobody. Isn't that sad? I know that's real sad. That's sad. That's real sad. He, you know, but I know it's, but, but, the, but it's the truth. It's amazing how, because at school, I only got them in squares. This is getting worse. I know it is. I know it is. So you're glad God delivered me, right? How did I get this far? But there are moments in life where your thinking fails you. You, you look back in your life, you, you know, you say, I can't believe I dated that person. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe I wanted them in my life. I was wailing and crying. Now you're thanking Jesus every day. You praise God. You can't believe that you made that decision. You look at your money. You can't believe you spent it that way. You can't look at your credit card. How in the world? You ever said this? How in the world? Then I get this much debt. How in the world? Because you were swept, you were swinging, you were swiping, you were having a good time. Come on, say, We fail. We fail. There are times you fail. There are times you fail. And you, you, you now look at your life. And it's amazing. Number two, we make requests. Sometimes we, we're taught it's wrong, though, to make requests. Sometimes we, we, we're told just be satisfied. But there are times you want things. There are times it's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I fight as a believer the struggle that we have. With balancing desire and satisfaction. I think it's okay for you to come to a moment in your life where you want something. As a matter of fact, here's what I believe. We make the great mistake of not wanting anything. You become this person who has no ambition, no dreams. You've accepted everything. You know, you, you've accept, you walk around your house and you just, there you go. You, just, you used to the roaches. They just, they show up. You just, they you got names for them. You just, you get, you get used you get, you, I'm telling you, I went to somebody's house. I told the story many times. And I went there and to, to, to say hi to the fellowship. They had some, something happen. And, and they asked me that I want to eat something. And I said, I said, I said, well, I, and then they did like that. And they said, oh. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not eating nothing. I'm fasting right now. I'm not. Praise God. That's the truth. It's, it's so easy for you to never say, God, I want my life to go to another place. But I believe it's okay for you to say, I want better than this. Sometimes we, we fail. Sometimes we, we have requests. And then thirdly, sometimes we, we're living in condemnation. We're fighting off condemnation. Condemnation, by definition, is, and I'll come back to this one, it is that thing that holds you down. It's a sense of guilt and shame. And you live in that all the time. And if we're not careful as church people, we create that. We create in people this constant sense of you're not right. Every sermon's about how imperfect you are. Every sermon's about your sin. Every sermon, and then we smile when we say it. You're going to hell. We smile. Don't smile if you say it. But we say it with such, such fervor. And, it's, and you almost live, <clears throat> excuse me, under this weight of something is wrong with me. I mean, I fight it all the time. I have to speak to it all the time because something will come to me. You're not 
doing it right. You're not that good a pastor. You're not that good a husband. You're not that good a father. You need to be better. If you gave him this, you should have gave him that. If you gave him this, you should have gave him that. Then you have this thing where you, 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 you have this stuff that's behind you. It's behind you. And, you. and you live in this constant state of looking back and blaming yourself, throwing rocks behind yourself. Always talking about what you didn't do. If I'd only knew what I knew now, I'd be better off, but I messed up. If I'd only, and you live in the past. We fight that. Number four, we wait, <laughs> but we don't like to wait. What are you waiting on? What have you expected in your life, but it hadn't come yet? You thought by now you would be where? And how are you processing that? Are, are you carrying guilt because you think you should have been there by now, wherever you think there is? And all of us, we admire. It's amazing how we admire people that we know nothing about. You don't know those people you're watching on TV. You don't know them at all. You don't know them. You think you know them. You admire people on the Internet. They got a bunch of views. I'm living in their in mama's cellar, but they got a bunch of views. I ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm, mama's good to you. I'm glad. But I'm just saying, if you're not careful, you admire what you don't understand. I have a habit <clears throat> of looking up people. I make it a habit. I love it. I like researching. And so if I see a person on, on the station, I look them up. Those, those wrestlers, you know, uh, the ones who, who jump off the ropes and do them fancy tricks. I like to look them up <clears throat> before and after. Before they jumping and after they're in a wheelchair. I like to look them up. I like to see what happened to them when they jumped off that rope about 10 times, 20 times, 100 times. I like to understand what happens to a football player who has an average of four years in, in the in, in NFL. I like to know that. I like to see what the average salary of a person is. I like to see that only a few people make a whole bunch of money. Most of them don't. Most of them end up in the G League and they you come up and come down. I like knowing and not just admiring people. I love theater. I love Movies, I love it. Grew up around Hollywood in L.A. I grew up in L.A., born here in Savannah, but raised there. And I'm telling you, I was here for a couple of years in high school, but generally most of my life was in that area. And I, I love it. I love theater. I mean it. I enjoy it. But I've learned they get paid to trick me. And the better they are tricking me, the more they get paid. So I love looking them up. I like seeing how they act. I like seeing what they do. And I like sometimes they just as nice on TV and they just on, on, on that channel. I keep forgetting the name of that channel. What's that thing, that the channel? What's that channel with the, with the, with the, with the holiday channel or something? What's it called? Uh, the holiday. It's the Hallmark. They look angelic. <laughs> look them up. Look them up. Some of them just as high as they want to be. And I'm not, I'm not against them. I'm not making a I'm not putting them down. I look them up, look up their salary. I don't, my wife last I look up their salary. I, look at their, I go look at the house. It was all online. I look up all kinds of stuff. And what I discover is a lot of times they're faking. They're faking. I'm not, I'm, and they, they're supposed to fake. They're actors and actresses. I'm not putting them down. I think it's a noble cause. I think it's a great profession. But what I've learned is I'm sitting there drooling, admiring somebody. They ain't who I think they are. They're more like me. They got issues I don't have. And so sometimes in life, I've learned we spend a whole lot of it admiring folks. And I think there's a good part to that. I think you need somebody to look up to. 
I think you need somebody that makes you go, wow. So we fail. We make requests. We fight condemnation. We wait. We admire. And then number six, we grieve. And grieving is a looping experience. In neuroscience, when they talk about how the brain works, and this has been one of the most amazing studies for me because I found a lot of things that I call sins really are not sin. Some of it's not sin. Some of it is just the way our brain works. So, for example, if I have a traumatic experience, I'll tend to grieve. That's not sinful. That's what my brain loops and thinks about it over and over and over again. And what's powerful is scientists say the way you fix that is you replace it with another thought. So if I had a bad experience, I talk about a good experience. And oftentimes I have to argue with myself. I'll get up in the morning and I'll feel bad. Just all, with no, Nobody did anything to me. Get out of bed feeling bad. You should have got up earlier. Yeah, being lazy. Get out of the bed. And I said, no, I'm tired. You ought to hear me down and say, you're talking to yourself. I sure am arguing with myself. I'm saying I'm not going to feel bad. I'm going to lay here again. I did that this morning. I laid there. I laid there. And I laid there. And Diane left the house and I still was laying there. I said, go to work. God bless you. Glad to have a working woman. Amen. And I laid there again. And then I rolled out to bed about a quarter to eight. And it was supposed to be here at nine o'clock. And then I took my slow time. I laid out all my clothes, you know, and I got dressed. And then I walked to the kitchen and I made me some pancakes. Hallelujah. Thank you, G. I was not coming to church hungry. I'm not coming in here like I'm on a fast. I had a dream. I saw the pancakes at night. I'll work out later, but I saw the pancakes at night. And I made my pancakes and I made a little something for my girl, my wife, and I brought it in and I walked into church at 9.02. So what? I'm three minutes late, but I'm the man of God. I'm all right. I have no condemnation. None. Zero. Pay people, they work, they did their job. Thank you, Jesus. They said, what do you think? What do you think? Should we go inside or outside? I said, y'all decide. Did I not say that? I said, trust yourself. That's my saying right here. Trust yourself. And I, and I got here. I said, what are we doing? They said, well, I said, well, good. I said, let me know. Down. And so, look, I ain't taking all the expensive equipment out in the rain. I'm not doing that. We're going to be inside today, and you can stream. It'll be all right. No stress. Stop stressing over every little thing. And I'm telling you, there's that sense of constantly living in a state of grief over my past, over what's not perfect, over me not being perfect, living in this constant state. But what I need to do is lastly grow. We grow. There's something about growing and changing. This season is demanding it. And those who won't change will get stuck. Now, when I did this, you know, we do these what we call sermon talk throughs, right? And the staff asked me a question when they got to this last part. They said, well, Pastor, do you ever get to the place where you don't have these issues? It seemed like you should get to a point where you're no longer grieving or a point where you're no longer feeling condemned. And I said, well, it's like this. You are always going to have a different level of challenge. So I may not fail like I did when I was two. I, I beat somebody up and took their toy. But when I'm 22... I'll have another challenge. And at 32, at various levels of my life, each of these things come back. And so I have to learn how to grieve at higher levels. Grieving at losing a job is one thing. Grieving about the loss of a mate's another. Loss of a child. I have done, 
have 11 funerals this year so far. Grieving, helping people at this new level of life. There's something about engaging life and understanding this is life. This is life. What gets you in trouble is when you forget this is life. So let me read three verses for you. First John 1 and 8. We fail. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. God knows we fail, but he gave us a plan. Confess it, acknowledge it and move on. Secondly, we fight condemnation. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the spirit gives us life and it set us free. I don't have to, because of what Jesus did, feel condemned and weighed down. And I have to tell myself that. Stop feeling guilty. Stop carrying your past with you every day. Stop blaming yourself for what they did or didn't do, especially your children. At some point, it's their decisions. At some point, it's not your job. He left you. Say that slow. He left me. Why? Next question. Am I chasing him or her? And feeling bad about it. Why you left me? Why are they running? Stop running. <clears throat> Let them go. Let them go. Build yourself a new life. That's the end of my singing career right there. There you go. Second Peter 3. Here's what he said. Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. Grow in grace. Growth means this. It means to increase. Grace means to allow the influence of the spirit on your heart. Allow God's goodness to be manifested in your life. And then lastly, grow in knowledge. Become a person who's informed. Be factual. It even means to be scientific. Some of you like that word, scientific. That's what it means. Make sure you know the facts. You know what? I'll tell you what. My life is better because I'm more honest with myself. And I believe if I'm honest with myself and I tell myself the truth, we'll go farther. One of the tragedies in church today is we're not telling ourselves the truth. And if we can tell ourselves the truth and get honest before God, the world will be a better place. I hope you learned something today. I've taken you over about 17 minutes, but that's not my tradition. But I don't apologize. Stand on your feet. No condemnation. God, we have come to the end of this service. We have come to the end of a day that we set aside to honor you. Acknowledging that some things are part of life. This is life. Next week, we'll talk about the power of a spoken word. How you can speak a word over our life. And how that word can transform everything. I believe that you desire that we not be intimidated. Some mom needs to step up and say, this is my new season. I need to embrace it. Somebody on a job needs to say, this career has changed. The industry has changed. 
We're no longer doing horse and buggies. Now you got to get in the car and drive. Email is here for real. The internet's here for real. I am now a single person. The season of being married to that person is over. That relationship is over. I need to embrace my life and my future. For some, it's a new city. For some, it's a new day. A new physical challenge. A limitation that they never expected. A report that bothers them. But God, that's life today. So we embrace it. We say in the name of Jesus, we will not allow ourselves to be intimidated. And for some, Lord, today, after hearing all of this, they say, you know, Pastor, I need God's help. And so, Lord, I pray for those who don't know you, Savior. Let this be the moment they give their lives to Jesus. Let this be the moment that they are transformed by the power of the living God. I pray the Holy Spirit would help them, bless them, and strengthen them. And I pray, God, that your hand would give them grace. I pray that whatever has come against them, that they would be healed, they'd be delivered, they'd be strengthened, and that they would say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. If you're in this room today and you're in the room building in here with me, one more prayer for you. If you, if you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, every head bow one more time. I said, Pastor Rick, that's my prayer. Pray for me in my walk with God. Raise your hand. Anybody saying pray for me in my walk with God? Anybody? I pray, Father, for those who are here. May the Spirit of God give them grace. May they walk with you, grow, and may they open their hearts to your life-changing work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the extra 20 minutes.